And on today's podcast, we're asking the question in this time of tremendous change and transformation with, with uh, the virus and the pandemic and, and the changes to our culture. One of the things that shows up frequently is, um, how do I know when I'm in fear? You know, I, I've been observing that a lot around the world uh, in the things that I see. And today's podcast, we're going to focus specifically on that. How do I know when I'm in fear? Ready to dive in? Welcome to Adventures in Truth Podcast. Every episode, we explore, expand, and evolve our understanding of the truths we encounter and experience in our human quest for clarity and exponential growth. And now welcome your hosts, Dr. Jeffrey Smith and Jim Case. Welcome to Adventures in Truth Podcast. All right, hello everyone and welcome to another Adventures in Truth Podcast. And I'm here today with my good buddy, Dr. Jeffrey Smith. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Jim. How are you today, sir? I am well. I am well. Uh, I too am navigating all of this interesting change and dynamic here. Um, but I think before we get started, uh, would you like to do our shout out today? Sure, we can give a shout out again to Solutions for Change organization in Vista, California that is uh, been in business 25 years helping homeless families find their way out of homelessness back into being productive members of society. They could always use volunteer help. They could always use financial help. You can find them at www.solutionsforchange.org. Good, good organization. Excellent. So uh, did I get you teased up enough uh, from the pre-show intro about our topic today? Are you Indeed. Uh, wow. Ready or not, here we come. <laughs> That's actually a really good way to put it. You know, I wrote, a, wrote an article today talking about this. I was uh, feeling, I, I've been seeing this all over. Um, and it's interesting to see people talking about fear and um, even people that may not be dialed in in the same way that we're dialed in or maybe, you know, focused a little differently. I think I was watching uh, Cuomo's speech a little bit earlier today, um, who just, it, it's just marveling at, at what he's doing and how he's presenting himself. But the thing that struck me is that he too talked about fear and how fear is causing a bigger problem than the problem. Um, and that's saying something because it's a big ass problem. Um, but the fact that the fear is causing so much consternation and, and so much craziness with people um, in, in the choices that they're making and the way they're confronting and, and, and stepping into this process. Um, it's, it's really quite remarkable. Um, and I think that it, it's a good, a good time for us, you know, as we're trying to explore truths and, and dealing with truths, you know, we've talked about this before that, that, um, you know, ultimately fear is a choice. And that choice is, is a challenging one because the first thing you have to be able to do in, in having a choice is being able to identify whether you're in a state or out of a state. Are you in fear or you're not in fear? 
and how do I how do I register that? How do I understand that in my own experience? And and uh, so that's where we're the path we're walking down today. And 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 previous to our going live, we were talking about some you know dealings with with uh, the people that are closest to us and how the fear how how fear changes the dynamic when when the stakes are so high um and and uh, so let's let's just dive in on that and see where we end up right on so in previous podcasts jim we have dissected fear and we separated the idea from the feeling we determined that the feeling we would do better to think of it as being frightened or experiencing what we call fright. Mm -hmm. So the feeling of frightened and fright that we're experiencing in our emotional neural network system that shows up in our bodies at times with elevated heart rate, accelerated breathing, flip-flop in the stomach, tension in the shoulders, headaches, all, all different ways that that feeling, physical feeling and emotional feeling shows up in our body. What's of interest to me is its origin comes from two different locations, two separate, distinct, different locations. The feeling is the same, but the origin is specifically different. One is actually happening, and we call that danger. In the presence of danger, the natural feeling would be fright. And the natural reaction is going to either be to fight it, run away from it, or freeze what we're now calling huddle in place or shelter in place until the danger goes away, right? So the feeling of fright would be natural to have in the face of danger, particularly an enemy you cannot even see. It's one thing to be able to deal with something you can see. I know to fight it, run away from it, or freeze until it goes away. This is one that we, it's the hidden danger that you can't see. The other form the other origin of the feeling of fright comes from fear in the terms of a thought process. Fear isn't real. We call it false evidence appearing real, but it's an idea. It's a belief of something's going to happen and I'm not going to be prepared for it. Fighting it, running away from it wouldn't be enough. I can't just trust my natural instincts to know what to do. I can't trust my autonomic nervous system to do the fight fright fight, freeze, or run away mode. And so we panic. We create these stories in our mind that become real to us. And because the conscious mind and the subconscious mind are very different in the way they process information, the unconscious mind doesn't know what's real and what's not real. And it needs the guidance. It needs the rudder, the steering wheel, whatever analogy you want to go with from the conscious mind to say, is this real? or not. If it's not real, it's fear. It doesn't mean that it couldn't show up five minutes from now or five seconds from now. But are you, in the past, we talked about going to the zoo and you're walking around the zoo and you hear yelling and screaming and pandemonium and people running for their lives because the tiger's out. Oh my gosh, the tiger's out. I didn't come here to see the tiger that way. I came here to see the tiger in the cage and I join everybody else and I run away, run for my life feeling afraid and feeling frightened while doing so. Normal, healthy reaction. So on the way out, they throw these uh, rain checks to us and they say, well, we'll catch the tiger and we'll put it away and come back and see it tomorrow. And so we do. 
we go back tomorrow and we get close to the tiger cage. And all of a sudden, our natural instincts are, hey, I'm at the zoo, the tiger's at the zoo, and I'm feeling frightened. The difference is the tiger's not out this time. But the mind only needs a couple pieces of those information links to connect it together to say, this is a situation you should be afraid of. And you're, you're asking yourself, why? It's in. It's not out. But yet the feeling is the same. Heart rate starts to accelerate. You're sweating a little bit, you know, getting nervous. And you're like, wow, I came here to enjoy the zoo. Why am I feeling this way? So it's the mind telling you, hey, the tiger got out yesterday. <laughs> it could get out again. And it's like an early warning, an advanced warning system that is unnecessary because in that moment, you're trusting the lock is on the cage. You're trusting that this will not happen again. But it sure feels the same. So one's real, one's not real. Hope that didn't go on too long answering or talking a little bit No, no, bit no, about it's that. good. And, and, and it, it was sparking some, some other things for me about uh, taking that a little bit further and recognizing that part of part of where our <clears throat> each of us individually kind of has this, this structure of a fear model, you got to remember that it's all based on many different components of the perspective that you carry in the world, meaning the beliefs, the experiences, the traumas, the both good and bad all contribute to this, what, what I like to, it's sort of this cloud of fear in that, um, you have these experiences that sort of inform your reality, I guess. Um, I mean, that's sort of what they're supposed to do. Uh, but in the context of a situation where you're confronted with uh, something big, and in this case, it happens to be lots of something big, because not only are we dealing with a, a virus that has some potentiality, we're watching the stock market crash, we're watching our government fall apart. We're watching, we're watching all of these major events taking place in real time. Um, and, and maybe government falling apart is dramatic, but it's falling apart. It's, it's, <laughs> there are aspects that are breaking down. But the point being that all of those components come together to form your unique perspective. So in identifying when you're in fear, you have to realize that it's not the same for everybody, even the people that you are the closest to. So even if you're married, even if you have kids, even if you're living with your parents, or if you're in a situation like now where, you know, you're, you're staying in place. And actually I find that's, that that's an interesting choice of term to uh, what's, how do they say it? It's, it's stay in place or. Oh, a shelter in place. Shelter in place. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I heard from Cuomo today that I thought was an amazing thing to say and that is uh, that we're not using shelter in place because shelter in place is what you use when there's an active shooter in a school. It's what you use when there's some violence happening and you need to hunker down. And he said, and that's really a false equivalency and we need to stop saying it <laughs> because it stimulates another level of fear that is unnecessary to the process. We know the components of this process, they, they've been presented. So being able to find the workaround for that collection of perspective that we've created individually is how we start to understand and start to break down identifying the fact that we're in fear. Um, you know, I, I was realizing that in part of that, that if you think about it in, in large context, most people are probably in fear most of the time. 
because that's the entrainment process. That's the that's how it has evolved in our culture. It's how we are trained from the get the get go. That there's fear, fear, and more fear. And then if you don't have enough of that, there's more fear over here. And if you're not afraid of that, well, let me give you some more fear over here because there's more sure. to have. Um, so we've come to a point in our own evolution where we don't see that as unnormal. No, bad way to say that. We are at a point in our evolution where we see that as normal. Um, and it's not. Um, it's right. highly irregular and highly not normal. And in any regular circumstance, chances are good, you'd probably be encouraged to get some help. <laughs> and, you know, to, to help sort out why it is you're being in fear all the time. But it's become so normalized that we think that's rational. So we have fear, right. we have stress, we have the anxiety, we have all of those components and depression, all related to this, this perspective, this individual perspective of fear. Right. So go ahead. In, chomping. In, in a past, in a past uh, podcast, we talked about the studies that have been done on evaluating our thoughts as either being positive or negative. Mm. And the first time I heard the study, it was 70% of thoughts. If left alone in your mind, you simply capture your thoughts. 70% of the time, they'll be negative, mm. according to a panel of judges who reviewed everybody's thoughts. The last time I heard that study done, it numbers jumped up to 80%. And that wow. was prior to this experience that we're going through right now on the planet. This was like in the last six months. I'd be curious as to right now, if left alone, meaning you're not going to take every thought captive, meaning that you're not going to use that small two to 5% of the mind that we say is conscious to drive your thoughts, because either your thoughts are going to drive you or you're going to drive your thoughts. And but you have to realize some of our thoughts, actually the vast majority of our thoughts are in the subconscious unconscious realm. You're not even aware that you're having thought, but you are. And because if left alone, we know today in this modern time, 80% of the time, the thought is going to be negative. We're just going along for the ride. Like Jim said, there's so much fear has become natural. We just accept it. We don't have to. We do not have to accept it. We can, in place of that 80% of the time having a fear-based negative thought process, choose to program ourselves with affirmations, even to the point of saying something so ridiculous the way it may sound is, what's the big deal about dying? That just blows away. When you say something like that to yourself, it actually makes the brakes, the emergency brake go on and your whole system screeches to a halt and then it has to think about it for a second. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're pondering, going, well, what is the big deal about dying? We're all going to do it. We've probably done it many, many, many times before. Why are, why are we all in this big to-do about some of us are going to die and even some of the people that we love, we're going to watch die. Okay, well, we've done this before. We're, we're experienced at it. But we let our subconscious, unconscious mind say, oh, we've, we've only been here before. We only have this one life. We, it's like, well, you watch, you watch nature do it all the time. Mm -hmm. We're making it far more than it is. Largely probably falls into the category of the fear of the unknown. But if you tell yourself, well, is it really unknown? Can I really know for sure that I've never done this before? That I actually have no experience at getting a deadly disease, 
being involved in a world pandemic. How do we know we've never done this before? What if we've all done this a half a dozen times before? What if? Just what if? And that it's actually a cleaning process. It's a healing process. Just what if? See, when, when you're willing to entertain thoughts like that, and I'm not trying to say it is that way. That's not my point at all. I'm just willing to do what ifs. And when you do what ifs, it creates enough confusion that it puts the brakes on that automatic process of negative thought after negative thought after negative thought after negative thought. It creates space for there to then be a neutral thought and then going from a negative thought to a neutral thought to go to a positive thought. Because all the what ifs are just neutral. I'm not yeah. taking a position on it. Good stuff. And, and that's so, so powerful because it, again, we, you get to come back to recognizing that you have a choice in this. You know, one of the things that I realized as, a, as going through this is, is the enormous amount of powerlessness that, that sort of triggers all of this, um, the way it's presented, the way we talk about it, the, the, the way the news deals with it. It's, it's all very kind of, you're out of fact. And to some degree, there is some of that in the sense that there is a there is a virus that is running through the planet, um, at, at in its own pace, in its own time, in its own will. It's doing what it's doing, and we have little to no control of that at all. Um, so, to me, it kind of brings up the question: Then why waste energy on it? You have no control over it, so use your energy <clears throat> where you have power, which yeah. is to make choices that keep you safe or keep your loved ones safe or whatever those choices are that, um, that, that continue to further the idea of I'm empowered and I can exercise, you know, my, my, my power in a useful, constructive, powerful way that can change my experience that can allow me to experience this as events that are occurring, not some hyper emotional, crazy, Oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Um, you know, because um, if it is, guess what? It is. So what are you going to do between here and there? Are you going to spend that time being <laughs> afraid and miserable and upset? Or are you going to find ways to bring as much joy and, and experience and, you know, into your experience as possible? Right. So good. <clears throat> you mentioned the C word a few moments ago. Uh oh. And it's comparable in my world to the F word. Uh, the words that I pay attention to, uh, you <laughs> control. If, control. <laughs> yeah, con, the C word in my world is is about control. And you were saying there, you know, there's nothing you can do to control this. The one exception to that, for me, is the meaning that we assign to what's happening is the only thing I can control. The story that I'm writing, the story I'm telling myself, the story I'm listening to is the only thing I can control about the circumstances that we're experiencing that I am 100% in control of only totally 100%. Nobody else can write my story. I can certainly let somebody else write my story. And we're really good at that. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be responsible for writing our own stories. We actually much prefer to play the role of the victim than the perpetrator, but the wisest of the three choices we have is let's play the role of the observer. Let's simply observe what's happening. Yes. And not assign negative meaning to it, not judge it as if it should not be happening. Because now we're arguing with reality. 
And man, I am a wonderful debater. I've been well-educated and I can argue with the best of them. And every single time in my life I've tried to argue with reality, I've gotten slammed by it. It has beat me every time, meaning that my arguments haven't changed. It hasn't undone what was done. It hasn't redirected what was done. I accept it. I have to flow with it and not assign negative value to it. If you have any inkling at all that there's some kind of a divine intelligence in the universe, we have to know that this isn't just a let's let's fuck with them today. Excuse me for now using the F word with the C word. <laughs> but there's nobody in the cosmos that's just doing this to harass us or give us a hard time just because. We don't know how this story ends, but if you think about any hardship you've ever been through, there were massive lessons to learn from it if you paid attention to it. If you didn't pay attention to it and you didn't learn the lessons, then that whole thing shows up for you again and again and again. So will we pay attention this time around? Because basically the planet, the garden, however you want to think of it, is saying, hey, we don't like how you've been running society and how you've been showing up here on the planet. Yeah. This isn't going to last. You're going to have to fix it <laughs> or we're just going to end it for you. <laughs> well, and it's amazing too, when you look at just in the short, literally short period of time that we've been dealing with this as, as other countries have, have gone into isolation and, and, and this social isolation and, and businesses have, have quieted and things are not happening that the, Levels of pollution are changing radically all over the planet. I can't tell you the number of pictures I've seen of the canals of Venice that I've only ever seen a murky greenish brown that are crystal clear. You know, um, looking at, at pictures of, um, where was the other one? Oh, China. Looking at NASA photos of the China, of, of, of the clearing of all the pollution all over the country. Um, that's huge. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just, that's astronomical what that, and, and, and the miraculousness of, uh, to me of, of a, of a universe of a, of a place that we live that has such a dynamic that it can create a shift in the entire planet. How does that not rock your world? You know what I mean? How does that not make you go, Holy crap, this is incredible. Right. That in one fell swoop, we're changing and, and being confronted with all of the things and many of the things that do not serve us, this planet, everything that we've built and growing forward. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me. Um, and, and I'm super excited about that aspect of it. And, and uh, we're going to go to break here in just a sec. Um, I'd like to Jeff, if you don't mind on the other side, kind of talk about six things that six ways that I, that I've kind of identified that we can, um, that we can truly know we're in fear that we can, the things that behaviors and things that we do. And, and of course, um, you know, I want to talk about them and you can, you can share with them and whatever we do, but we'll do that right after we come back from break. Are you feeling stuck or in a holding pattern with your business or life and you're not doing the things you want or love? Then at some point, you're going to be faced with a decision. You'll either choose to keep living in your comfort zone and risk a life of mediocrity or increase your courage, step into your power and forge into the unknown where everything new becomes possible. If you're truly ready to live masterfully, then you need Ken D. Foster's newest book, The Courage to Change Everything, Strategies and Wisdom to Transform Your Life One Day at a Time. 
This powerful but simple guide provides you with 365 days of life-transforming wisdom, profound questions, and action steps that will increase your strength and open the doors to success. Stop wondering why your business or life isn't working. The answers are available now. Imagine if you had more courage or another chance to start following your dreams. To pick up your copy of The Courage to Change Everything, visit thecouragetochangeeverything.com. That's thecouragetochangeeverything.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And uh, as we dive more deeply into this uh, amazing topic of how do we know when we're in fear? Um, before the break, we were talking about looking at some of the ways uh, we've outlined like six different possibilities, and I'm sure there's more, um, but ways that you can um, to help you identify pretty quickly when you're in fear. Some of them are pretty obvious. Some of them are not quite as obvious. So um, we're going to dive into that. Is that all right with you, Jeff? Absolutely. And let's do a quick review that we're yep. of the opinion that fear doesn't serve us. Being frightened in the presence of danger serves you to either fight it, run away, or freeze. But if there is no danger, you're making it up. You're, there's a story in your mind. You're fabricating something because fear stands for false evidence appearing real. There's pieces of evidence that you're making a story up to convince yourself that danger is present. Yes. And that's, that's the difference. So we're of the opinion that fear does not serve us. Being frightened in the presence of danger does serve us. It's preservation, but when you're and operating that's an, and that's in that an energy, immediate thing. there was yes. something as I was, as I was going through this, that really struck me is that, uh, as you were saying, I was, I was having a sense of people going, yeah, but yeah, but, but what about this? And what about, what about the, the disease? And what about the, the economy? And what about my job? And, yeah. and, yeah. and we're going to push into that, right? We're going to get into all that, all yeah, the, we're going to take it all the way to the bottom. So important to realize that. It doesn't matter. All of those things are occurring. But when we're talking about the survival mechanism, the survival instinct, the instinct is an instinct. The instinct is a, is a response that occurs because there's an imminent threat. If it's not imminent, it's not real right. because it isn't happening. It's, right. it's a potentiality for right. sure. Well, even not having a job won't kill you. Exactly. Not having a job for so long that you have nothing to eat and you starve to death will kill you. How likely is that to happen from what we know about human history? When is the last time we had people starve to death in the United States or in your community? Yeah. And you may say to yourself, these are unprecedented times. And we may say, fine, that may be true, but it's not happening right now. And we may then be able to put contingencies in place so that it doesn't happen. But the energy of fear will only keep you stuck. Yeah. It'll keep you fighting against something that isn't there or running from something that isn't there or freezing from something that is not there. When you could be actually using rational thought and logic and calm emotion to energize yourself to take action where it's actually going to be productive rather than destructive. Right. And we'll talk about that more too in, in a later segment of, of, you know, some of the tools that you can use to shift that energetic space to get your place, you know, spin yourself up and, 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 get up above the vibration of the fear so that you can see other opportunities that are available. So let's look at these, these, uh, these top six things here. Um, and I'll, it'll be fun, Jeff, to see as, as we talk about these, how close they align with, with your, your, your background and, and whether or not there's things that I missed that you were going to, that you would put in as, in as even more important. 
So these are not in order of significance. They were in order of how I thought about them. So, <laughs> so the first one is catastrophizing. Um, and, and that happens on many different levels and is not necessarily, I know the word is huge and catastrophizing obviously is about making mountains out of molehills. Um, and, and it isn't that we're dealing with molehills here, but what's true is that um, catastrophizing is about all or most thoughts that go to the extreme about whatever the topic is. I'm going to get it. There aren't enough, there's not enough equipment for me. If I get sick, I'm going to lose everything. I don't want to die. Oh my God, the walking dead is actually becoming real. You know, I mean, there's, there's all of these types of thoughts that go along the idea of catastrophizing, which, which is sort of this never ending stream, which chances are good is probably going to happen in some portion of your mind. It's a question of whether you're paying attention to it or not. And I right. think that one of the reasons that it's so powerful is that the mind starts generating all that noise and we start paying attention to it and start putting our energy there. So catastrophizing is my first one. Any thoughts on that one? Well, it might be helpful to start out with a definition of what a catastrophe is. <clears throat> and, then, and then we're left to how, how far off are we in our definition our personal definition of what a real catastrophe is. We use the word awesome all the time when it's not really the appropriate statement to make. And catastrophe might be one of those similar words where we throw it around at times when it really isn't. Uh, as a noun, it's an event causing great and often sudden damage or suffering. A disaster. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like an earthquake, perhaps? An earthquake, uh, a national economic catastrophe. Um, the pictures are of things like hurricanes and earthquakes and um, things of that nature. So this would be a slow boil rather than a flash boil, what we're going through right now. Yep. It hasn't, it may seem sudden, but that's only because we've been waking up to it. But this has actually been going on for many months now. Yes, which is one, so of, one would, of the concerns that is out there is that, that it has been. Mm -hmm. And even if we want to break it down more individually, like uh, I can't find toilet paper on the, I have toilet paper at my house, but it's not on the shelves right now. And I'm feeling like that's a catastrophe. It's not a catastrophe. You have. <laughs> I, I have a different word for that, but that's... <laughs> But it gives us the illusion of, oh my gosh, it's toilet paper today. What is it going to be tomorrow? Yeah. And we're making it into a catastrophe in our mind only. All right. Step two is, is, is uh, I don't know that this is a clinical word, but this is my word and I call it spinning. And uh, spinning is, is where you allow your mind to take you down any rabbit hole, whether it's about death or destruction or, or any negative kind of uh, any negative thought that you take down the drain um, to the point that you're you, everything feels desperate and hopeless. What am I going to do about this? What if this? What if that? What if this goes on? What if that goes on? And oh my God! And then that's going to happen. And then well, how am I going to fix that? And how am I going to do that? And suddenly you're down a rabbit hole that has no exit um, because that spinning, that cycle, that spin cycle is just. The mind continually trying to rectify a situation it can't and you can't. So it's looking continually and feeding you information from wherever 
the subconscious, the stories you make up, the experiences that you had, whatever it is, it's just continually feeding more and more. And then you're eating it and you're continuing to re-ingest it. Um, but spinning is another way of, of, and it's another challenging one because when they're, when confronted with so many different things, where do you put your attention? Right. Right. So I was thinking about sitting in this chair I'm in right now and you or someone else or myself spinning myself around and around and around and around. And one of the first things that happens is you get dizzy and you get disoriented. Mm -hmm. It can be fun, but if you're not intending for your experience to be fun and you're feeling like spinning, it's because you're looking at so many different things right now and you don't know what to do. It's almost like this paralysis, this mental paralysis that comes over you. And there's, you also use the term rabbit hole. And when I heard you say that, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm a rabbit, that's fine. But if I'm not a rabbit, that might be disoriented to go down a rabbit hole. And it also made me wonder, is the origin of that from Alice in Wonderland, where the rabbit knew how to navigate that rabbit hole and the rabbit knew how to navigate and exist in the domain or reality. Yeah. That alternate reality on the other side of the rabbit hole. And Alice had to figure that out for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And she did. And that's what we're doing. Yep. And it can seem disorienting. We don't know to what to trust, what's up, what's down, but our, we have to trust our internal navigation system of what is the next right step for me right now and take it. Take the next right step. If you run into pain, stop going in that direction. Back up. Turn around. Reevaluate. And and just trust that you do know the next right step. You only have to take one. You only have to take one step at a time. Otherwise, you're going to be catastrophizing. Right? And now now we've (laughs) joined both of them together. Right? (laughs) What's the next right logical step? Take that one. And keep going in that direction until you run into pain or you run into another obstacle, then stop, reevaluate, back up, redirect. You only have to take one step at a time. Do something. Otherwise, it's going to feel like you're spinning. Good stuff. So the next one, um, I know we're going to get pushback, but um, this one to me is, is as important as the rest of them. But that is this um, excessive attention to what's happening in the news. Um, an excessive need, you know, while it's important, and it is definitely important to stay informed, um, the trick here is, is being informed and obsessing. There's a, there's a very fine line there. And it's, it's, uh, there isn't a whole lot of new information you're going to get every hour. Um, and, and having the information that they may have, which is the number of people that are dead, the number of people that are sick, the number of, the, the number of hundreds of thousands of points the stock market has fallen, you're going to get that information on the regular and, and, and you can feed on that all day long and it will get you absolutely nowhere um, except going down a rabbit hole or, or going to catastrophizing because essentially that's what the news is doing. Um, so be, be aware of, of what you're, how you're using the media. Remember, you are in power here. So how do you use that to bring awareness? And, and for some, it may not. Some may go, I don't, I don't have any interest. I don't want to put any awareness there. I'm going to suggest a little balance in the perspective simply because 
we are dealing with a real physical issue. We are dealing with a disease process. We're dealing with something that affects you know, a viral process. So it is important to be informed and to understand what's happening enough to know what choices you can and could make in the situation. One of the magnificent things that's happening as a result of this experience that we're going through globally is we're getting a chance to truly know ourselves. And that's because everything else on our schedules has been wiped clean. We don't have anything preoccupying ourselves right now with what am I going to be doing next week or next month as far as like what I thought I was going to be doing. It's like you and I had a trip planned to go to Brazil or not Brazil to Peru in May. And so part of my day prior to all of this was what am I going to take? I'm thinking about it in advance of the trip. What am I going to take? What do I need to get ready? Where's my passport? You know, all that sort of thing. Well, those are all distractions that right now have been completely wiped from what our mind is going to be doing and occupying itself. So we have no professional sports to watch right now. You can't go on a cruise ship. You can't go travel anywhere. So everybody's travel plans have been wiped. And so little by little, we're getting back to the place of, I have to do me. I have to actually think about me and what I'm doing and who I am and what's going on in my world. But I don't have to do that if I watch the news all the time. I can mm -hmm. still be distracted and I can change this channel and watch this, you know, version of the news. I can, oh, this person's really scared and I can really get into their energy and feel that and I can, I can connect with them and resonate and all of that. And then now let's change the channel and go over here. Or I'm just like in a trance watching it for a whole hour. And I was like, wow, how did that hour go? Yeah. And then they'll flash in, hey, breaking news. But like you said, if you choose how much time a day you're going to devote to staying informed, you will get the information that you need, whether it's public radio or some form of, you know, the, the information is out there. Yes. But my goodness, let's not spend hours and hours and hours getting scared watching because that they're, there's a frequency and there's an energy to, to, to deliver that information. Mm -hmm. And what captivates us to watch it is an amount of fear that keeps pulling us into it. Like, I'm afraid to not pay attention to this because if I don't, I'm going to miss something and, and that's going to kill me. That's going to leave me unprepared. That's, yeah. I'm going to miss something and that will be a big problem. Well, is it really? Is that true? Has anybody missed anything so far? Because really what we're talking about, if you want to know the information, the information will show up for you. If you don't want to know it and you're denying that all of this is happening, but yet you're still compared to what, compelled to watch it, it's not going to matter. So if you want to know, the information will be there. But yes, Good. like Jim was saying, it's just decide how much of your day you're going to devote to that. Yeah. And that's a really, really, really good point to, to the other point of you're saying we're, this is all about, you know, in the end we get to focus on who are we who in this. And, and um, so make choices, you know, give yourself, permission give yourself the allow yourself to exercise the power of making choices that support the best possible version of you not the worst like possible that. version you know i like um, that and and attachment to that news cycle is the worst possible version because it is just 
an unending parade of fear and anxiety. It's just, that's just, you know, as much as I have tried to see it differently in the end, I'll be watching something because I wanted to get a piece of information and, and I watched it and watched the conversation go from here's some information to here's my viewpoint of that information. And suddenly we're talking, they're all, it's all opinions and it's all supposition and it's all made up nonsense that has nothing to do with the bones of the situation. We have a virus that's, that's moving through our, our world. We have job situations. We, ha we have these situations, but all of the other supposition and who's doing what and how they're doing it and how they're saying it and what they're doing has nothing to do with it and should have no room in your world because it doesn't serve you or anybody else. Yes. Fear does not serve us. Does not. So the next step, this is a little more, it's not really necessarily esoteric, but it's, so every choice you think to make stimulates more fear or insecurity. So here you are, and this is sort of like being in the free zone that Jeff was talking about earlier. So you're in a place of thinking that my life is, uh, my life is, is, in imminent danger. I'm, I'm, I'm imminently going to suffer in some way. And so everywhere you look to make a choice or decision, you run into kind of a wall of inability to make a choice or decision that, that is positive or forward moving. Um, so when you're centered and grounded and take steps to raise your vibration and shift your state, your clarity improves. And then you begin to tap into something greater and more. And that elevation of personal energy opens you to greater and greater opportunity and relieves the stress of what you don't know and what you can't control. So again, it's, it's, it, this is, we're talking about recognizing how I'm in fear. Um, this is a more subtle one. This is more, this is more the noise that goes on in the background where you think you're doing fine. You're handling the kids, you're handling the spouse, you're handling the family. And yet you think, okay, what am I going to do about this? And when you think about it, you kind of, Ooh, you go into that little white freeze. It's not a full on, but it's a, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do here. Chances are good. You're playing in a future potential or in a past issue. You're not being in now with what choices you can make now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or even have to make. Or ha even have to make. That was, uh, that was another piece of, of this, uh, the, the, act the things that you need to actually pay attention to. Um, yes. The, the, the number of things that if you really stop and think about it, you think, do I, is this something that really requires my energy right now? No, because I have no control over that outcome. I can do something over here and that will feel good and that will feel uplifting and that will feel supportive. And then I'll see where that leads me to my next step. You know, but do what you can from where you are with what you have. It's right. Usually a good thing. Earlier, we were talking about how in the last week or so, people have become aware that whatever they had planned for the next three months is probably either one, not going to happen, or two, if it does, going to be some different version of it. And so right now, we're all trying to adjust to, I don't have a schedule in my mind. I don't have, a, I don't have this, uh, this rhythm in my system right now. Mm. And I think it would be valuable for us to create a rhythm again that you could actually write on a calendar just for the sake of doing it. Next Friday morning, I'm going to go for a walk. And that will give the mind a chance to be thinking about where do you want to go on a walk? 
what time do you want to leave to go on a walk? What do you, what is your intention for the walk? It'll give you something, that part of the mind that really has nothing to do right now, but fret and worry and be afraid needs something to do. So give it something to do. Build a schedule for yourself. It doesn't mean you have to adhere to it, but it needs something to do. Yeah. I'm talking about the same part of the mind that when we're doing controlled remote viewing, you're using only half the brain that's sensory and is able to do non-local projections. The other part of the mind gets in the way of that if you don't give it something to do. So we give it a 10-digit target number. So it's trying to break the code. It's trying to see a pattern in there and figure something out. If you don't give that part of the mind something to do, it will distress, get in the way of, and interrupt our state of healthy being. Yeah. So since we're schedule-oriented, make a schedule. Write it down day by day. I'm going to be doing this at 5 p.m. Because it's right now the fear of the unknown. I don't know what to do. So give yourself something to do. If it's not the right thing to do, you'll know. Oh, I yes. need to be doing this instead. You'll know when it comes time to do that thing. You either have the time and it's the right time and the right thing to do, or it won't be. And if it's not, don't be so anal and OCD about it that, oh, I wrote it on my schedule. I have to do <laughs> it. That's a whole it. nother issue, right? <laughs> That's a whole nother issue. Then just push that one to a week later and see if it's the next right thing to do then. Awesome. Love that. Love that. Love that. All right. Uh, next one. Um, we've talked about this frequently. I don't know. We have to spend a ton of time, but you get caught in that feeling of out of control. You feel powerless because your focus is on the thing that neither you or anyone else has control over. So that's an important, an important distinction is, is the powerlessness comes because you're focusing on something you have no ability to impact. You have no ability to do something with. So put your focus somewhere else. <laughs> so, like Jeff said, make, you know, making the schedule. That, I mean, there are any number of things that we can do there to shift that powerless feeling. Right. Um, and, and, but that feeling is a definite indication that you are operating in fear. Right. <clears throat> Yesterday I found myself in discussion with um, a CEO of an organization <clears throat> that's responsible for a lot of people going through the program of going from homelessness to being a productive member of society again. And one of the things they were talking about was, how dependent they've become on their communication systems. And in particular, they pass information through Facebook uh, to all of the residents. And what we were willing to consider is what would happen if Facebook goes down for some reason, or it's not accessible or they're limiting web access, which is something that's being talked about right now. And so we were talking about, well, what other means of communication do you have? And so right away we went to, well, cell phones, but not everybody has a cell phone in that particular organization or access to it. So we were just exploring all the different ways to being able to communicate. And I sat with that for a minute and I said, well, wait a second, this is not a new thing. So I went back to what was the very earliest way that people communicated? And I came up with ideas like smoke signals. <laughs> and then like on ships, they have flags and, and each flag has a certain letter and you can actually announce your intentions to another ship without actually yelling through a megaphone or something else. So all we did was put back together again, what we've forgotten how to do in a way to, to just have this sense of if this happens, then this will be our response. It's just an if then sequence. 
because we can't control any of this. Right. But if you know that there's an if and a then, and, and you have four or five of them for every different contingency that could happen, that's about as far as you can go with control is to just know that we've thought about this. This might be what we do if this happens. And then at some point you got to just let it go and say, the only thing left to do now is assign meaning to whatever happened that I would love to talk about more examples of meaning that we arbitrarily or habitually erroneously sign that assign to things that happen that really messes us up that we could, we could stop doing that. Yeah. The idea of, of managing as opposed to controlling. So if you're managing, you're taking what's occurring before you and you're, and you're taking steps with that, whatever it is, however you can do that. Um, it doesn't require control. It's just you're, it's coming through your space and out of your space to somewhere else. Um, yes. As opposed to you controlling every aspect of it. We, we don't need that control. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we need. It's not what serves us. Um, and we do have to manage aspects of our experience. That's okay. That's not control. That's just guiding the energy in the direction that we want it to move in. So, all right. Um, we got about a minute and a half before we go to break. So let's go on to the last one. And um, we talked again about this a little bit. Um, the statement that I wrote here is your survival feels threatened. And uh, I, I made a specific point of saying the word feels because the survival instinct is not about fear. It's about awareness. And the mind likes to use fear if it determines um, there's a threat to survival. But again, it's the feeling that, not the reality of. There is no imminent danger, it's a feeling. And you're reacting to the feeling. So again, another way that you notice you're in fear is there is no imminent danger of, of harm. There are possibilities, there are, there are things happening. Um, but the fear will tell you, oh my God, it's, it's yes. coming. It's happening any yes. minute, you know? So, um, again, this is, um, this is a big one right now because we're confronted on multiple levels of our experience at the same time. So again, the feeling is about powerlessness. The belief in that, the belief that we're powerless. Yep. Yes. And uh, we're going to take that to break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap this section up and, and, uh, Bring this whole puppy home for the day. Ranking Mastery is offering listeners a free 60-minute training. In this training, you will learn five simple things to get positioned in Google for all the products and services you offer. Together, we will learn and discover key phrases customers search all the time. Go to rankingmastery.com, look for the free training button, and enter the code MYFREETRAINING. We urge you to hurry because spots are limited, and similar trainings of this kind can easily cost thousands of dollars. Learn from the best, those who have generated over $4 million using these same exact strategies so that your company can take advantage of the top positioning in Google without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars on Google ads or SEO agencies. Remember, your potential clients are searching Google every day for products and services just like yours, and this is your chance to claim your position on the web. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit rankingmastery.com, click the free training button. Again, that's rankingmastery.com. Pretty interesting show so far today, Jim. We've covered a variety of different 
topics and strategies, coping mechanisms in dealing with this thing that we're calling fear. And I hope our listening audience finds it helpful to have definitions of and being able to recognize which energy state that you're in. And although it may be very popular and it may be very uh, vogue or whatever to be in fear, it does not serve us. And that's what we're asking people to be accountable, to have a better understanding and awareness of, and that we'll make better choices, we'll feel better. We could actually get through this experience in love, peace, and joy, and fun, as opposed to having it scare the F out of us uh, all the way through. So we do that. If it was going to be a scary experience, it's because we believe that we're number one and first and foremost, afraid to die, afraid to die alone, afraid of losing control and afraid of pain. And man, you throw all of those together and that's what's happening right now. I don't know so much about the pain part other than difficulty breathing. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's some aspect of pain involved in here somewhere. Well, the pain um, of, of loss, the pain of um, potential loss. Sure, that's sure. probably one big one. Right. But so far, to the best that I've heard, uh, the people that have departed the planet, that have contracted this virus, haven't done it any more gruesomely than anybody else that's ever gotten the flu. They've simply died of pneumonia or they've died of other respiratory complications. Um, but it, it isn't like getting an arm or leg cut off or something like that and a grizzly bear eating you. So we can rule that part out. So if we're going to actually overcome this assignment of meaning to this experience, we have to be able to get to a place of saying, there really isn't a big, this is not nearly the issue that I'm making it out to be. And I refuse to join everybody else in their story. I need to have my story about what this is. And it's not the purpose of this podcast for us to tell you what your story is. But we'd like to give some clues as to if you are frightened, if you are unsure, if you feel the need to control, there's some part of your story that could be rewritten. And we might want to make some suggestions here that actually everything is okay. Everything is always working out for me, including this. Yes. Even if it takes me to the point of I'm no longer on the planet, then that is actually working out for you. What that means to me is your work is done here. Your life lessons have been completed enough that the divine intelligence behind all of this is allowing you to say, done with this particular incarnation. And I'm now going to journey home, regroup, reconsolidate, reorganize, evaluate, and then how, whatever happens after that, which is not yeah. the point of this podcast. That's actually not that big of a deal. I mean, that actually kind of sounds nice in some regard. My yeah. work is done. So if we looked at everybody who's part of these statistics as they got to a point in their life where their life lessons had been checked off enough, their learning points had been checked off enough, or it was determined by someone that they're just not getting it this time. Let's bring them home and, and somehow in some way help them regroup, reevaluate and give them an upper, another opportunity. Yeah. And, and I, again, I think I'm that's not, very valid. Yep. So in either case you're done or you're not getting it would be a reason that you might find yourself in that line 
of getting off the planet or yeah. knowing somebody that's getting off the planet or being in relationship with somebody that's getting off the planet. All of us will probably be impacted by some degree of separation of that happening. And we'll be able to ask ourselves after the fact, who were the people that departed? Were they in the category of finished their job or were they just weren't getting it? One or the other. Not sure that there's going to be a big uh, middle class in that division. Yeah, so is, is that really something to be afraid of? And for me, the answer is no, it's not. It's not something to be afraid of. But I think it's important too to recognize that the you know what the whole thrust of this podcast with regard to this to this virus and to the, the life experiences that we're all encountering now is is realizing that, um, or not realizing, but but being able to identify when we're in fear, and and what we're hoping through this this podcast is that you've gotten a ton of nuggets of ways that you can observe yourself responding or reacting actually fear is not a more response as it is a reaction but um that you you get to see in your own experience how that works and there's nothing actually funny enough there's nothing to be afraid of in that exploration either <laughs> which which is a, a great excuse for not exploring um but to recognize that uh as you see this unfold as you see the coming together as you see whatever it is that you're seeing that you stop and, and say to myself, okay, I'm struggling. I'm not being able to separate myself from the fear. What can I do? Well, there's, there's tons of things to do. Um, but the immediate things, um, what, what are you doing? You know, as, as Jeff was talking about earlier with your, with your schedule, how are you now scheduling your time? How are you using your energy? How are you using your focus to create a better outcome, to create a, a, a more powerful or a more, joyous or more loving experience surrounding you through this process. So meditation, again, a powerful tool. Um, again, that's all about getting quiet, which means using tools to help soothe and quiet the mind so that you can create a space and allow your vibration to spin up. There's a wonderful thing that uh, they talk about in Law of Attraction that I, that I think is a beautiful uh, uh, picturing of our energy system. And the way they describe it is that when you're in fear or any negative emotion, it's like you've taken a cork that's floating on the top of the water and you pulled the cork down into the water. And cork is naturally buoyant, but by virtue of the fact that you're holding it in the water, you're restricting and controlling the natural experience of the cork in water. And that when you relax, when you get quiet, when you find that space in yourself, when you begin to, whether, and, and breathing is another, another wonderful way to get that state shift. But when you release your control of that cork, the cork naturally comes back to the surface. It doesn't have to be picked up or brought up or anything. It naturally comes to the surface because that's what it does. And that's the nature of who we are. We came to this experience in joy and, 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 and curiosity and, and all of these wonderful experiences. And over our, as we talked about earlier, as we've built this perspective through life experience, we kind of pulled that cork down in the water. And all we're saying now is you don't need to hold it there. Let it go. Let it float so that you can come to a natural buoyancy in your own experience. And then you can begin to make really powerful choices that forward your expansion and forward your growth and forward your joy, even in the face of what appears to be imminent disaster. 
Right on. Nice. Very, very nice suggestion. So that's um, good. Are we at a point where we're wanting to do a couple minute summary here? Uh, We're at the summary. So you got about a minute and a half. (laughs) All right. So in that amount of time, please pay attention to this. We have been asking for an increase in consciousness. We being people on this path of wanting to raise our consciousness and in doing so having all of our brothers and sisters on the planet with us raise their consciousness also that is happening right now you dear listener are being forced you are being forced to participate in your life right now you're being forced to pay attention you cannot distract yourself with all of the schedule things and all of the busyness and all of the social media and all of the silly things like professional sports and cruise ships and you cannot do that anymore you now must pay attention. You you now must consider, where does my food come from? How does it actually get to me? Why why do we have food from Chile coming to, why are we not growing it in our own backyards? How how is this actually helping us to do it the way we've been doing it? We are now forced to consider all of the things that we've done, some very well and some not so well. And that is creating a a rise, a leveling up in consciousness. It's actually going to be a really, really, really good thing. But it's being forced on us right now because we haven't embraced it and done it on our own. Well, and and I would would actually say the apparency is it's being forced on us. But the reality is, is we've been calling for it. Yes. Um, You said that before. We've been calling and calling and calling and and there are so many of, of our existing structures in our cultures and society that are antithetical to our health and well-being. And, and those things are beginning to be affected by this process because it's time for us to reevaluate the choices we're making that don't serve our joy and happiness and prosperity, that only serve a select few people's version of how the world should be. Right. Um, and and that doesn't, that's not serving. Yeah. It's just simply not. But we want nice. to encourage you to, um, you know, as, as we said from the beginning, the process of, of being aware of fear is not necessarily easy, um, meaning it's relentless. So you have to be relentless, especially at the beginning, as you're identifying how it's showing up. You have to be diligent in continually shifting your attention away from those things two things that uplift and serve continually catching yourself and saying, Oh man, I just spent 20 minutes in the most ridiculous story of my death and destruction. I'm going to shift over here now and I'm going to go bake a cake or I'm going to, I'm going to go walk in the woods and rub my hands all over trees just so that I can feel the bark, whatever it is, find that thing to shift your perspective so that you don't stay in that well of, 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 yuckiness. Right. My final thought is to encourage people to get in the game. Yeah, baby. we've been we've been spectators. We've been watching other people play the game. We watch people dance, we watch people sing, we watch people throw baseballs, we watch we watch we watch we watch we watch we watch. That's all done. It's now time for us to get in our game. Dude, that's so, freaking got game. awesome. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. what a great way to end this podcast. Uh, um Damn. I got goosebumps. Woo. <laughs> I'm proud to be associated with you. <laughs> Get in the game.
<laughs> get, get off your game. butt who, and who, get who in knew, the game. Who knew we'd end up here? That's fantastic. <laughs> Guys, uh, we, we appreciate you very much and thank you for joining us today. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing much more adventures and truth with you. So uh, keep up with us and, and uh, uh, lots of cool things coming down the pipeline. And we'll look forward to seeing you very soon. Absolutely. So long, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Truth podcast. If you would like to listen to more or to explore all our offerings, visit us on the web at www.adventuresintruthpodcast.com. We also offer video versions of our podcast. Visit our page on YouTube at Adventures in Truth Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Like, connect, and follow with us on Facebook. Want to book us for your next podcast or to speak at your event? Head over to our webpage at www.adventuresintruthpodcast.com at the bottom of the page and send us a note. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you again at Adventures in Truth Podcast.